Hi everyone, welcome to the first episode of Too Much Salt in collaboration with the Bristol Uni LGBTQ Plus Society. Um, my name's Robin. I'm Shanks. And this is hopefully going to be a chill, down-to-earth podcast. As much as a podcast with two queers can be chill. Chill, exactly. But, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a, a rough fan for today. Uh, we're going to talk about some news and media that we've enjoyed over the past um, forever. Um, and we're going to learn some gay history from Shanks. Mm-hmm. From the internet and from, books. From the internet, from Shanks. Lovely. Um, so, yeah. Let's begin. So we're going to start off with some news of the past recently. Um, This shouldn't be very long. I just want to go through basically a few things that I found interesting, that I found basically on the internet. Well, we're going to have so much fun with that, aren't we? Uh, I hope you so. found it interesting. If I find if I find it interesting, you're probably gonna find it interesting. Hmm, doubtful, but I, we'll I'm, see. I'm I'm making that bet. <laughs> the first piece of news: I found out that um, the Jamaican bobsleigh team are in the Winter Olympics. What? Why are you laughing? Huh? <laughs> no, I know it seems random, but the Jamaican bobsleigh team are in the Winter Olympics for the first time in twenty four years, and. I found that funny because when I was a little kid, I, like, maybe around six years old or something, I watched the film Cool Runnings. Have you ever seen it? No. It's about the Jamaican bobsleigh team, I think in, like, 1998 or something. Or it might be before. I didn't know what I'm talking about. I just thought that was cool. Like, good for them. Jamaica is a really hot country. Why do they have bobsleighs? I don't even know. I barely read past the headline, even. Sorry, I laughed because I feel like I've heard this before. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. What, the Jamaican bobsleigh team? Yeah, someone has mentioned this before in, like, the past few weeks. Really? Well, I think it might have been news from a few weeks ago, to be fair. Hmm. Well, that's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Bobsleigh. How, how, do you, how do you rate that news? How, on, how do I on interest, rate? Like, 1 to 10. In um, interest level. Seven. Seven. I I thought it was interesting for the same reasons that you mentioned. Okay. Wait, bobsleigh is that the? Was it? Is one the one where, where they like lie down flat? No, that's skeleton, right? Skeleton. Bobsleigh, you like get in a little. Oh yeah, 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 yeah! I know what a bobsleigh is. Yeah, 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 yeah. and and they're in like um I think I read they're in like three bobsleigh categories, which is like the most they've ever been or something like oh, that. Oh wow! They're in like, like two men, one man, and like one woman or something like that. Good for them. Good for them. I'm I'm happy for them. A one man bobsled team. I usually thought it was like four people or something. I maybe I'm just. I'm gonna be idiot. honest. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Thanks for your honesty. It's much appreciated. Yeah, seven out of ten. I feel like we're starting strong, right? Yeah, it's a good okay. start. It's a good start. Okay, this is this is piece of news number two. Um, so this isn't really news. I'm stretching the definition of news. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, a while ago, there was a story that Keanu Reeves, you know Keanu Reeves? Yeah. Of The Matrix and 
I'm just gonna say this right now. I have not watched The Matrix. I don't know I, very much other than the Red the and Blue either. Pill. Oh no, I haven't watched it either. I've, okay, that's quite surprising. I feel like everyone has watched it. You know, well, I, it's it's in like such you know like it's it's such a pop culture thing. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say it's just so embedded in like yeah. our generation. Well, maybe not really our generation. Maybe the generation like slightly above. Yeah, us. like zero point five generations yeah. above us. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Um, do you know the Instagram story Lad Bible? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. They reported because um, they had seen it on other news sites that Keanu Reeves had donated seventy percent of his earnings from that film, from The Matrix, um, to cancer like oh, wow. research. Yeah. Um, which w- turned out to not be true. <laughs> um, which which is kind of sad, but um. That being said, Keanu Reeves like does have, um, he 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 doesn't really like talking about it much. But apparently, he does have a private foundation right. that he he kind of set up, um, and donates to and, and lets run that helps like kind of like people living with cancer. Um, but I I I just like I I feel like I've heard that kind of seventy percent thing before. I mean, so I, I just found it interesting that it's it's not actually true, like someone just made it up. Yeah, how did they go about, you know, they reported it first. I mean, surely when you report it, you need to have something to report on. Well, there, there, was, there was a figure, like, I think people knew how much he earned from that film. Right, right. Um, and I guess someone maybe plucked a figure out of somewhere or something like that. Or uh-huh. maybe Keanu Reeves is lying. Maybe he did donate 70%. And he just doesn't want to, doesn't want to be the hero, you know, which I respect. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you really don't want to be the kind of guy that donates the money and says, "Look at me, I donated seventy yeah, percent." Yeah, yeah. No, and I think that's that's the great thing about Keanu Reeves because it keeps coming out like, "Oh, Keanu Reeves has donated millions to like this random charity," and right. like twenty years ago or something, which I think is cool. It's a cool guy. Everyone loves him. I'm I feel not, like uh, I'm not, like, breaking new ground by saying, wow, I love Keanu Reeves. You're not, but um, I'm also going to say that I don't really watch movies, so I don't really know actors. I know who he is because of the Matrix films. Yeah. What else has he been in? John Why Wick. are you asking me? <laughs> He's been in John Wick. I know that. He's been in other things. He was... Ah, oh, who was the two, like, stupid guys? <laughs> the two stupid no, guys? No, no, no. Like, they were stupid in the film. Uh, is it Bill and Ted? He was one of those. That was that was one of his earlier roles. That was in like the nineties. I'm something. drawing a blank. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Next week we're doing a segment where I test you on like film history. You are gonna film miserably. No, I am yeah. gonna film what, miserably. What decade were the Star Wars? Was the original Star Wars film? The nineties. No, not even close. What? No. The original. Star oh wait, Wars wait. Film. My mom said she watched them when she was a kid. So. 70s? 70s. Yeah, yeah, I think it's 77. Oh, And okay. then the next one was, like, 81. Or that might be the third one, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's another, like, franchise that I kind of felt that I was a bit too late to get into. Well, not that I'm into it now, but, <laughs> like, um, there's just so... M- I'm really into, like, the lore of, like, all these fantasy worlds and stuff. Like, um, right now, I'm just reading um, The Chronicles of Narnia again, because... Oh, yeah. we- I, I I was gifted uh, the books as a kid on my 11th birthday, I think, um, by one of my classmates' mom. 
and uh, I really loved it as a kid. And you know, uh, I was just watching The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe the other day. Well, yeah, we were watching. Like, don't leave me out of this. Well, I was there too. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah. What you just forgot? I was there with you. <laughs> I was watching the film. You were watching it so intently. You just forgot I was there. Yeah. Did we even talk throughout the whole film? I don't think we did. Yeah, exactly. I think I we, just I, occasionally made a comment and you just blanked me. I feel like you just were silent the whole film and I was just enjoying it way too much. <laughs> but I, I have just realised you've completely hijacked my news segment. Oh, well, um, it wasn't that interesting anyways. Well, I thought it was interesting. What? Okay, what do you rate the Matrix Keanu Reeves misinformation out of 10? You know what, before you actually prompted me, I completely forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, honestly, me too. It's only because I, I looked down at my notes. I was um, like, oh yeah, Keanu Reeves. Oh, slightly less interesting than the bobsled team, because that's not true. Okay. Maybe about a four? Well, I think the the misinformation is the news, I think. Right, right, right. The fact okay. that... Sorry, not, not, I don't really know Keanu Reeves a lot, but uh... I guess... We'll stick to the four. Okay, you're sticking with the four. Okay, a little bit offended, but let's go. I'm sorry. Um, my third and final bit of news, which is, we'd is never quite get fun. There. So, um, it's local. It's Bristol. Oh, Bristol. Yeah, Bristol. Um, uh, there, there is uh, an organization in Bristol called um, Autism Support. Or, uh, oh, I'd better, I'd better check the name of that. You, yeah. Because I, I better not. <laughs> I better not mess that up because that'd You've be really embarrassing. You've got a massive notebook in uh-huh. front of you with lots I, of scrolls. I have so many. Um, <laughs> I have so many. Uh, Bristol Autism Support. That's it. It's like... just because my notes are so dense, right? You've got it all like neatly on a laptop. I've got chaotic. I writing. do believe this is the first time I've seen your handwriting and it's absolutely atrocious. Okay, thank you. It's worse than mine that's saying okay. something. What do you write my handwriting out of 10? Oh shit, like zero. Zero. I, I don't think I could read that. Can I, I, I can make out a soul on one of your pa- one of your sentences. Soul? S-O, like so. Oh, so. I can't read the next <laughs> word, nor the word after that. Nor anything else on that line, to be fair. That's a two. I think it's a two. It's just a letter T that you wrote there for no apparent reason. No, it has an O after it. It's just a very little O. <laughs> little... Can, we, can we get back to my really interesting <laughs> news segment, please? Yes, please. Um, <laughs> Bristol Autism Support... Um, the founder, she's called um, Kate Lane Toner. Um, uh, she was recently nominated and will um, receive, I think, the British Citizenship Award. Oh, what's um, that? Which is um, like it, it's it's like a, a nationwide award that recognizes like like basically like good deeds and and like people who have have accomplished good things. Um, kind of a- around the country, um, and this was started because um, both both her and her daughter were diagnosed with autism, um, and she felt like she didn't have the kind of resources right. um, to like help her daughter, and and didn't feel like she had you know like kind of the same chances and opportunities, um, and during the pandemic, she talked about um, you know like autistic people needing kind of like. Um, kind of regimented, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, um, routines. Um, and she said, obviously, you know, pandemic is going to disrupt that a lot. So she um, she kind of made sure that she was still 
you know, in touch with people and right. and kind of working through that. And I just thought that was that was cool. Well, yeah. yeah, that's a great piece of news. Yeah, I didn't even hear about that actually. Yeah. Well, um, it was it was a BBC article. Um, I basically just typed in BBC Bristol and it came up, and I thought, wow, it's perfect. So this is how you got your other two pieces of news. No. Possibly. I can't remember, <laughs> honestly. It might have been The Guardian. Right. <laughs> I um I do not endorse specifically or disendorse any um media outlet, news outlet. Mm-hmm. I wanna say that. We're not sponsored by BBC News. I wish we were sponsored by BBC News. It would be nice to have any form of sponsorship at this point yeah. in time. Can we get sponsored by like I don't know, like Domino's or something. D- Domino's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For what, free but pizza? No, yeah, no, free pizza, yeah. Not even for money. I do it for free pizza. <laughs> you could do a lot of things for free pizza. You have captured my news segment. and You, you have... started talking about being sponsored by Domino's. This is on you, not me. Okay, well, I'm hungry. Oh, you need to rate my uh, my news. No, um, um, British Autism 10 support. out of 10, it's 10 great news, wow. honestly. Have I just hit the mark first podcast in? Well, get 10 out of 10 you do years. know, like, mental health and stuff is, you know, like, really important we, we are advocates. to both of us. Yeah. We are advocates for mental health. I am pro-healthy mentals. Uh, is, is that a thing? Healthy mentals? <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, just a, 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 a state of being. Just yeah, I've not seen healthy. you at any of the um, project talks, any of our events. You know, like the other society that I'm in, the one with um, for mental health. Do you wanna do you wanna talk about that society? Project Talk. Yeah, project Project Talk. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, it's um where I'm the outreach officer, which um means that I do outreach stuff. <laughs> well, um, really? we set up a book club, um recently. Uh, well, it was in December, I think. Um, we just get a bunch of people, and then it's at this really cute bookshop um up in Clifton, I think. The one that I live, like, opposite from. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, it's that one. And then we just pick a book and um, talk about it. And, like, you'd be surprised, like, how many books have, like, some sort of, like, a mental health spin on them. But, you know, I, I thought it was, like, a really nice idea to just have people come down to talk about mental health, which is, like, especially from, like, my um, country. Um, I'm from Singapore, in case our listeners don't know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I know the shrinks law. Well, it's kind of like I wouldn't say it's like a taboo. Well, it kind of is. It's not talked about in society nearly as often as it needs to be. And obviously, in the past few years, um, there has been some sort of positive um, up trends, positive trends. Yeah, yeah, yeah in yeah. that. But like the kind of level at which it for for. All purposes, mental health is not a thing back home. Yeah. It's just horrible, really. Um, but yeah, it's nice to see that like the government is sort of kind of steering its people it's very, very, very slowly in yeah. the right way. But it's very much like um, not something talked about. Mm. Or if you have it, then you're not going to be helpful or something. <laughs> right. Um, well, this book I've read since... It's actually my favourite book. It's your favourite book? Yeah, it's my favourite book. Have you read it of, recently? Um, define recent. I've read it in the past year. Okay, that's recent. I've reread it in the past yeah, year, yeah. yeah. Um, I brought this book along when I was um, 
traveling in Japan. So whenever, like, we took a lot of, like, um, Shinkansen, like the bullet trains, um, on and off. And whenever we had a bit of time, I would just be reading my book, which I know is not the best because when you're traveling, you should be looking out the windows instead of looking at a book. But it is my favorite book. Um, it's, have I actually said the book name? You have no. said the book name. <laughs> <laughs> You've just mentioned bullet trains and that's it. Right. No, no, no. The bullet trains have nothing to do with this book. Um, it's A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. Um, what's what's it about? Favorite. Oh, well, it, just like a disclaimer, for anyone interested in reading this book, which you absolutely should, but um, it's a massive, massive book. Like, it's like the size of limits, right. which... Um, I'm quite embarrassed to say it's the first book. I used to have this thing like when I would need to finish the book before I move on to the next book, but Lemis was the first one I gave up on because it was just so convoluted. I feel like he had to tell like, he took 30 pages to tell you that they moved from one city to the other. Well, to be fair, we were talking about Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. He does exactly the same no, thing. No, Lord of the Rings isn't, it, it reads so much more concisely well, than... I admit I haven't read Lord. Um, I haven't read uh, Les Mis. Les Mis is uh, Victor Hugo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That will, I think like back in the day when he wrote it, it would make perfect sense because there are like all sorts of little inside jokes that people of that time would know exactly what he's talking about. But I had to keep flipping to the like the what do you call it? The appendix. Yeah. Well, also, it's it's French, right? Obviously, I wasn't reading the French. <laughs> no, no, no. Version. But I, I mean, it was written originally written in French, and that's gonna like affect. Oh, like translation. Like, is, yeah, that yeah. actually that's like something that I've always had issues with because, like, um, well, I come from Asia, right? And uh, while a lot of the books that I grew up reading were written by um, Western authors, it's like more recently that I've turned my attention to um, authors that are either like local or at least like um, from Japan and China, like. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm quite interested in um, culture-wise, Japan and China. Um, that was a very poor sentence that I just made. But I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to cut it out. You're going to have to live that. You're horrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm awful. Keep going. You're horrible. Um, when, whenever like, they do translation, I feel like a lot of like the culture, like a lot of like cultural, what do you call those, like key elements of it sometimes are lost out. Or if not, it becomes really, really odd like, to translate a lot of things. Like, for example, a lot of, like, Chinese names, um, they actually, like, re- like, they make re- uh, references to, it's either, like, um, some sort of idiom or uh, a phrase that's very popular or, like, uh, a mythical creature or, like, someone that is, you know... The book follows the lives of four men. This, I think uh, it opens with Jude and Willem, if I'm not wrong. Um... So the four of them are friends. They just graduated from university. Uh, either just graduated or they were in university and it follows them through their lives until, like, um, the end. Like, you know, when they are either old and balding or they are dead. Right. Uh, it's, um, it sounds like a great book so far. It's, it is a great book. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm being sarcastic. I felt like the way it was written was kind of like, at least for the first few chapters, it's, the first few chapters read, like, a very... Um, kind of like book about like like uh what do you call those books like 
those books where people like become teenagers and like coming coming of coming age, of, coming of age books. So just sorry. Stared me in the eyes. And coming of for, age for a number of seconds. Yeah, it's kind of like very like um oh this is like New York and it's this like amazing place, but this is like what society is. Um, everyone knows everyone. Lots and lots of parties and stuff like that. And I kind of thought that that was quite similar to, like my experience growing up in Singapore, at least, like, it's kind of, you see a certain group of people from primary school, and then secondary school, and junior college, or polytechnic, IT, like, the schools that we have, like, you will grow up with that same circle, not grow up with, but more or less, kind of hang around the same circles of people, and life is just, like, the same group of people, your whole life, like, I have friends that I've had, um, since primary school, that, you know, um, they've kind of, like, left my life because we went different ways. By the end, we've came back to the same school or I've seen them in the army or stuff like that. It's just, like, a small... It's, like, a really small world where I you can go out, like, and, you know, everyone just hangs out at the same places. Mm. You just inevitably bump into people and it's mm. a bit... It's nice in a way. It's kind of nice, like, a small community, but also, like, um, my younger brother describes it as being suffocating, which I kind of understand why as well. Anyways, back to the book. Back to the um, book. So, um, quite a few people that um, I've read, um, that I've spoken to about the book, because, like, people that I've spoken to about the book either love it or they hate it. Like, um, a lot of them have said that it's um, tragedy porn. Like, the, author, the uh, author is so excessive in kind of torturing some of the characters that it's really painful. And it feels like, I'm not going to lie, I love the book, but it feels so unnecessary sometimes. Like, it just hurts so much, you know. I, I became, like, really invested in some of the characters. Um, It was the first book that actually made me cry tears of joy because uh, I still remember I was at the station and I got to that chapter. I was holding, like, two of my luggages. Well, just, um, there was a train delay because the winds were too strong, which um, I did not know was a thing. And and I just was then like tears were streaming down my face and my mom was like what what's going on, <laughs> um but yeah Sean spoil but like one of the characters um gets like he has like a he's like quite sad like his life has just been shit right but um something really nice happens to him in the middle of the book and I was just like oh my god finally he gets his lucky break and I was just sobbing in the train station. Um, That's so sweet. Yeah, do you kind of get an idea of what the book is? Because I realize I've been quite scared of my synopsis. Yeah, I mean, it's it it, f- f- I've from what I gather from what you're telling me, it sounds like it's kind of just a story of people, like just people living. Well, the name of the book is A Little Life. Yeah, no, I'm I'm making a great insight here. Hang on, I'm sure it was. Yeah, it's it's people living their lives, living small lives. A, a little, a little life. That was hilarious. Robin. Thank you. I'm trying my best here. I, I, I did want to ask, like, with all the like the pain and tragedy in this book, do you, do you like the book like in spite of the tragedy or in part because of it? I think it's a mix of both because, like, for the part of it, kind of bit where the book actually deals a lot with like, um mental health and self-harm it's just stuff that you know you can't see in the life I mean I saw in the, my own life and the lives of those around me and that was quite like um like it's really relatable I felt like some parts um of the book were 
Um, obviously, like, there are some just really nasty things in a book that have never really happened to me, so I can't speak for that, but um, on the whole, yeah. And on the in spite of part, um, I feel like the book has, like, just nuggets of wisdom in it. Like, I, I can't think of a story at the top of my head, but there are just some, like, conversations between some of the characters that are just so insightful, and I feel like every time I read it, I've read it, like, four times since I <laughs> bought the book, um, but yeah, um, it's just, I've discovered something new I like. I used to have this habit of, um, kind of, like, dog ear, if you call it dog ear, like, you fold oh, yeah, the yeah, edge yeah. of the books, yeah, which, edge, yeah. um, it's something I would never do to any of my books, because I love them so much, but I love this book so much, and I lo- like, I used to, like, just dog ear the sentences that I really liked. I wish I could tell you more, but I just don't want to spoil anything for for you because it's such a good... There is one cute little detail in the story where um, I think one of the characters makes cookies shaped like bacteria. I'm not sure if it's bacteria or like um, cells because um, he's like interning at a position for cells. I don't know. And he makes like little cookies and he ices them so you can see like the mitochondria and whatnot. I thought that was so cute. Can I do that? Can, can I do you, that for you? Can you do that? I yeah. do not think you can find your way around the kitchen. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you make it sound like I'm some, like, idiot chef. Do you remember the other day when you cooked, um, what was it you cooked? What did I cook? You cooked, and then literally every, oh, that pasta thing with the feta cheese. Oh, and was everyone like... was just like, Robin, good job, you made your first meal. <laughs> so that was good. not my first meal. It wasn't your first meal, but it was the first time you cooked in, like, the, all the time I've known you. No, that's not true. Come on. What I have, else have you cooked? When when you've come over to me and Orange, I've helped to cook. You've helped to cook? You mean you washed up? I, I've done more. We're moving on. I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about my piece of media here. Go ahead. I'm going to do it. My piece of media, um, which I don't think you'll have heard of, but it's not like an unknown thing. Um, it's called Black Sails. It's a TV show. Have you ever heard no. of it? No. Is it a British thing? Brilliant. Um, oh, God. Is it a British thing? Or is it an American thing? You know, like, because since coming to, like, this country, like, when my flatmates, my flatmates were huge fans of um, TV last year, yeah. and they would make all these obscure references, and they would all just, like, giggle, and I will be like, what? Because I didn't grow up with that stuff, right? Yeah. And it was um, interesting, to say yeah. the least. Oh, or, like, songs in the club. Everyone knows those songs, but I've never heard them in my life. Like, you know that one where you go, like, um, like, spin or something, or, like, hop right foot two times or something? Oh, oh my god. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I've never heard that in my life. And then everyone was just doing it, I was like, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah, that that is definitely a British thing. That is 100%. By the way, if my parents are listening, I don't go to clubs, I don't... Um, I don't go out. I stay in my room twenty four seven, and I work like a good, like a good little boy. Well, my mom is never gonna hear this ever. My mom might hear this. <laughs> That's on you. Can I keep talking about my my TV your mom? Show? Oh, no, yeah, not my sure. mom. I mean, I can talk about my mom. She's a lovely lady. Yeah, I've, so I've heard. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna keep talking about my TV show, Black Sales. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I think. It's one of the best TV shows I've ever seen. It's one of the best pieces of media I've ever seen. Just because... I mean, it's it's four seasons, right? And you expect, like, most TV shows kind of at least dip in the middle, if not kind of trail off. 
but this is just every episode is just consistently like like always breaking new turf and always surprising you and always being like clever and inventive and all like all the way to the last episode of the last season it's absolutely brilliant and this this whole tv show right from the start was planned out the whole four seasons so it ends yeah yeah it ends in just the perfect way everything is tied up everything is like satisfactory and that was the best one of the best like moments i've had in just watching something is just like watching the end and just being so satisfied and being like yeah i love this tv show but i'm glad it's ended you haven't actually told me what it's about when you said black sales i'm thinking pirates of the caribbean yeah it's it's pirates of the caribbean but smart but smart <laughs> yeah no guy holding like a jar of dirt dancing on the screen <laughs> i i have nothing against um it doesn't Death. sound like that no it it isn't so yeah okay so imagine um I'm going to tell you about the main character. So, the main character, he's called Flint. It's a, it's a precursor to Treasure Island. I realise I haven't mentioned that either. It's, it's like a kind of vague, like, setting up the story for Treasure Island. Well, that kind of explains why you like it so much, because as far as I know, Treasure Island's your favourite film. Uh, Treasure Planet. Treasure... Oh. I'm going to talk about that next week. Yeah, so um, it follows Flint, who's, like, mentioned right at the start of Treasure Island. Yeah. And it's like... You know Treasure Island. It's it's Flint's gold that they're after. Yeah. So it it follows the story of Captain Flint and he's he's this like naval officer who was like disgraced in England. Um and in his kind of anger he goes over to um like Nassau and the Bahamas, um mm-hmm. and sails around the Caribbean and, and is a pirate, um and does piratey Ooh. things. Yeah. Um and the like everything about this is just so pristine like just just watching kind of captain flint and like the kind of things he thinks and the the way he manipulates people is really satisfying just cuz you can tell he's so smart like no one ever has to tell you like the audience that he's smart like no one ever has to like praise him you can just get the sense that like this is a, a ruthless and scary guy, right? I'm just slightly confused at the stuff that you've been watching. Do all your shows kind of have the side characters saying, oh my god, the main character, you're so amazing. <laughs> no, no, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, just even from the first episode, you can just get the kind of aura of, um, of kind of, like, the, you, you get the whole character, basically, of Captain Flynn. I see what you mean. I, I really like books that you are able to do that. I think, like, it's that, what did they used to tell us when we were in school? Um, Show Not Tell. Yeah, yeah, that kind yeah, of Show thing. Not Tell, yeah. Yeah, I really like it when it's done well. It's really, really good. Yeah. And there's, there's so many side characters that are so fleshed out, and, and it just feels... Like, I, I never felt like I was watching actors, like, through the mm. whole four seasons, which I, I think is a thing I struggle with sometimes. I don't know, I, I, I feel like I'm just watching actors pretending to be people, which is obviously what they are. But never in the whole four seasons, it's like ten episodes per season, each is like an hour long. The whole time I was so engrossed, and I'm like, I'm watching, like, a documentary where they've gone back in time and filmed a bunch of pirates. 
it's surprisingly gay oh. is is one of the appeals yeah there there's there's some big revelations that happen in the show i'm not going to spoil anything but it made me happy I feel like I really forgot to say this about my book, but obviously, like, the, one of the reasons why I liked it was because uh, when I first read it, it was before I properly came with my family, etc. Well, a lot of things were before I came with my family, actually. But um, it, there are also gay characters inside, like, which was one of... It, it kind of the way they leaned into it is that the characters were never, like, um, you know, like, they have the main character and the... Um, because of diversity, they have, like, that yeah. gay character is, like, the sideline, you know? Oh, absolutely. It, it's not like that. It just kind of leans in so naturally and just kind of just, like, yeah, it's there. It's, yeah, yeah like, that's just what happens. I, I want to talk about Black Cells so much, but I know I shouldn't spoil things. Exactly, but that's it, why it's, it, Yeah, it just leads in so naturally with Black Cells. You know what? I feel like we should each, like, since you've been recommending stuff, we should... Um, read slash watch our recommendations and then oh, come back you, and do an you episode watch, You watch Black Cells, I, I read um, Life. Yeah, I think we would both take a long time though. Yeah. No, um, well I mean if it's four seasons to episodes, that's 40 oh hours of television. You do know that I don't like sitting down to watch things, right? <laughs> you I should, get fidgety. That, that's less than a full two days. So you could do like well, a two I'm not going to just sit there and yeah, just yeah, yeah. non-stop watch. I'll bring you food. You bring me food. <laughs> I'll bring you a bottle to pee in. <laughs> you bring me what? I'll bring you a bottle to pee in. Oh my god. <laughs> I know we're supposed to say artist of the week, or like, however long, like, often we're supposed to do this podcast, and uh, mine's just going to be a really basic choice. I love Trace Van. You love Trace Van? Yeah, I mean, um, again, this is something like before I came, it was kind of like, not even before I came out, it was before, when I was like questioning my sexuality, um, it was like my ex, ex, uh, whoever I was seeing at that point in time, introduced me to Troy Sivan and I was just like, whoa, there are gay people writing music? And I was just so shocked. I don't know why I was shocked, but I was like uh, 16, I think, back then. And you know, like, um, just my, like Singapore has like really um, interesting laws about mm. um, gay media. Like I think there's a law that you cannot positively portray any like gay people on like um, in any form of media on uh, that is for public consumption. So like there have been quite a few like um, controversies in recent years where um, they've just they've just been like bashing gay people and just having a laugh about it on like um, our local. Channels, channels, yeah. is that what they're called? Yeah. So I haven't watched television in such a long time. <laughs> no, um, yeah, and it, it's just horrible, really. But um, th- that explains why I was so shocked that Troy Sivan was like openly out and proud and he was making songs about being gay. Um, there were like, I re- like uh, the time I was listening was when Blue Neighborhood was out. Have you heard of Troy Sivan's I, like songs? I have heard of Troy Sivan. You have heard of Troy Sivan. Have yeah. you heard his songs? I you I, I don't think you're my friend. I'm not sure why we're doing this <laughs> podcast together. I feel like I've probably heard some of oh my goodness. Um well after we end this, I'm forcing you to listen to like the few that I really like. So okay. get ready for that. Um one of them was um Heaven. I think that was like one of the early favourites that I had. Um there are two there are a few lines in there. I think the main bit of the chorus is um if I'm losing a piece of me, maybe I don't want heaven. And I was just like, oh my god, that is just so, like, 
fitting for me at that point in time because like everywhere you look it's just people telling you that being gay is wrong and i did not find a single source of positive positivity about that like oh it's okay to be gay like being gay is not a sin you know and everywhere around and like because um even back then i was from a boys school right and um something that you often get teased about is like oh my god you're so gay mm. and obviously i had, wouldn't know who to talk to about being gay and i wasn't even sure that i was gay in the first place so i didn't have anyone turn to but like just hearing his songs just you know gave you like something to rally rally to like there's this um, community of people out there that are all gay and you know um we're all in this together and you i really can't explain how much like relief that brought me um his songs are really nice as well like um yeah use this another song i really like um because they're like like his his songs like are really nice like um the kind of imagery that he uses uh, one of the lines is tripping on skies and sipping waterfalls and that like if you know you can make that if you can make images real like just by describing that i really would like to see what that would look like in a movie or like a music video or something like that but yeah you know i can't draw for shit so mm, not gonna happen anytime soon what about you what's your artist of the week artist of the week um my artist of the week um who are not currently going, I want to have that disclaimer, they broke up in 2018, uh, or 2019, even March 2019, which I'm devastated about. I'm sorry to hear um, that. They're called uh, the Total Bettys. They were um, a kind of rock, kind of queer core, if that's the right word, rock. What is queer core? Quick or actually, I wanted to mention this. I was I was looking through my Spotify to try and see like who I wanted to talk to, and uh, I was on the Total Betty's, and it came up with like suggested like queer core. I was like, oh. yeah, this is a term I've never heard before, and I just downloaded the playlist, and I'm probably gonna listen to it on the way home. Queer core. Yeah, I just thought it sounded fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe that's just where we'll be basing all our recommendations from. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to search that playlist. Anyway, the Total Bettys. Yeah, they're kind of rock group. And, um, like, their, their first album came out in 2017. So I would have been, like, 15. So I think this was kind of past the point where I was, like... Um, or, or, or kind of around the time I was coming out, figuring things out, stuff like that. Right. Um... And I think a mixture of that and a mixture of the way, for me, they kind of capture angst and um, and kind of, uh, you know, like negative emotions and expressing that through kind of slightly rockier music. You know, I, I, I just really connected with that for some reason. I'm not sure about this, but I feel like our music tastes are quite different. Yeah. I, 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 I was really going to say know, that. I don't really know what yours is. Oh, th- this was a band that, that wasn't very big, right. by any means. Like, their, their, their top um, streamed songs had, like, 50,000, something like that. Okay. 50,000 streams. So it's, like, definitely not a big... I really can't remember where I got this band from, and I really mm. wish I could. But, like... Th- like, I, I think also being a small band, I kind of connected with them more. Because, you know, it's kind of like a small community and, and, you know, you feel like you're you're part of something that a lot of people aren't part of. You're cool now, maybe? Yeah, no, I'm cool. I'm I'm not like other girls, is what I'm saying. Right. Um, 
And I think just, yeah, this combination of the angst they put into their music and the kind of, um, I mean, if nothing else, you know, quality of the music, like right. they all, you know, they all play the instruments really well. <laughs> um, it's got nice bass lines, it's got nice drum lines, it's got cool guitar, stuff like that. I think that just pierced my soul a little bit. I was like, well, wow. this is... That's yeah. quite strong words. To... No, it, I'm I'm using strong words. This is absolutely something I'm passionate about. And if you're going to listen to any songs, um, I wanted I, I, my original plan was to write my top three, but I just couldn't limit it to three. Um, so I've selected Dark and Stormy, um, which is probably my favourite song. I've got Back Against the Wall, which is from their first album. They released two albums, right. um, which I think is probably their second best song and then i've got grown up am i glowing and best friends best friends i i really really adore for a lot of reasons um and a lot of their music it's just you know trying to be better or just you know like moving on and stuff like that and it's it's just relatable content so yeah it's cool thanks for sharing yeah no worries um is that the end of our our little segment yeah i think so a little like 50 minute segment <laughs> 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 I'm gonna cut this down so much. Yeah, I, I swear, people listen to that and look at the timer, and it'll be like ten minutes. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut, I'm gonna cut out all of your bits. That's a bit rude. But this, to be this fair, is a one man podcast. By the way, Shranks is here. If you haven't heard him yet, then I've done a good job editing. Oh my god, <laughs> my mom used to tell me like, um, because I usually would complain like, oh my god, I don't have time to because right now I have to edit like cut off hundreds and hundreds of words of my essay and she's just like, if you don't write so much, you don't have so much to edit. And I'm like, why? That's that's why. <laughs> so so the lesson is, if you don't talk, then I won't have as much to edit. That is the lesson, absolutely hundred percent. That is Ten where I'm, I'm ending this segment. Thank you very much. So the next segment is Shanks teaches gay history. Shanks, do you wanna do you wanna take it away? I feel like I've just kind of sprained my foot in the few seconds that we just said that <laughs> we we take like a one minute pause and you sprain your foot already go go come on um uh just a disclaimer i'm not an expert and we're kind of like hoping to like when i plan was planning this i was hoping to introduce you to the idea not so much of give you an in-depth um account of like the entire repercussions of everything that i'm about to talk about right but yeah um, but by the way i have no idea what he's about to talk about this could be anything i'm excited well i really hope you've never heard about this but i think you will like this because okay. i know you kind of like greek um history and stuff greek like that history yes i'm getting Based more intrigued on the fact that you love the video game hades oh. how many runs have you done um oh getting near 500 now that's slightly okay we'll talk about hades next time sure yeah okay so today um we're going to talk about the Sacred Band of Thebes. Have you heard of them? No. Great. That is a good in for a treat. Nice. Um, so, yeah, um, I've heard, I heard of them, like, um, I think in some books, like, a long time ago. So I did a little bit of research, like, also a long time ago. But um, this is what I remember off the top of my head. Uh, just also another thing to say that the main source of knowledge that we have is from um, historian Plutarch that kind of started writing about the sacred band of Thebes um, 
about 500 years after they perished. Right. So yeah. um, it's definitely not, not primary source. I'm sure you know, like, they kind of existed um, kind of towards the end, I think, of the classical period of Greece. So it's kind of like that period of time where you had, like, you know, like what you think is ancient Greece is yeah. all about. Yeah. yeah. It's around that time. Um, so this sacred band, they were a group of elite warriors from Thebes. Um, the Greek Thebes, not the Egyptian one. I was told by my friend to include that. Right. In case people were confused. Um, so they were composed of, uh, they had about 300 warriors. And the interesting fact is that they were made of 150 couples of gays. Wow. I think it was maybe I have vaguely heard that, but I want you to tell me about it. Lovely. Um, so the... It's at this point where I need to explain a little bit about um, homosexuality in Greece before we delve into the sacred band of Thebes. Um, so homosexuality in... Like, the Greeks had really different ideas of what... On, like, homosexuality, it wasn't as simple as, like, oh, you're a dude and I'm a dude, and if we love each other, like, it's gay, right? Um, it was mainly formed on this thing called... Uh, Paderasty, I think that's how you pronounce it. So that would be a Erastis, which is a beloved, and Eromenos, Eromenos, um, the beloved. Hmm. That's kind of what it translates to. So basically, the um, it was for the Greeks. They saw it as kind of like your position in sex. So basically, the top and the bottom. Right. <laughs> Although this was not strict, I mean, I don't think it was almost always strictly adhered to, but that was the norm. Um, right. That the, is a very relevant kind of idea. Usually, when the beloved would come of age, when he they grow a beard, then the relationship would cease. So it's usually quite a temporary relationship, right. and usually it was seen as like a kind of like it's either like a mentorship thing, or like uh, it was a sex thing. <laughs> right. Like um, the there were like elaborate. Well, not elaborate, but kind of like um, rituals where, uh, courtship rituals where they would court the love of the beloved. Yeah, right. so it's quite interesting. Um, so this is the background to this kind of band of warriors. Yes, and this is where we start our story. It starts with um, a citadel of Thebes. It's called Cadmia. Um, in my mind, like Greece is always like this huge country, and you know, like. I always used to think that Athens, Sparta were just, like, cities of one big hole, but they're actually not. Like, I'm sure you know this already, but yeah. um, it was composed of many city-states yes, that collectively true. were known as Greece, right? So there are three very relevant powers in this picture. That's Sparta, Thebes, and Athens. That was, um, those were kind of, like, the biggest cities, right? Like, around that time? Like... Well, yes, Um they were, like, obviously very, very influential, but it's also kind of down to, like, um, surviving records from those days. Um, we had, like, like for example, one of the very big sources that we draw from from that era um, is this uh, historian, philosopher, dude called Xenophon, and, um, but he was really biased against Thebes because I think he was um, exiled or something. <laughs> So, like, he um, actually imagine, criticizes. Imagine the being so band. salty about getting exiled that you're like, the future will never hear about this. That's actually hilarious, but that's actually maybe what he was thinking. 
he just refused some parts he just omits from history and we only know they exist from other people having those sources and a lot of people have gone like why has he not said anything about this because it's like a big view right okay anyways back to the city citadel so um the spartans had invaded it in 382, uh, 382 bc and this dude um Palapides, um I am sorry to any of our listeners who know what his name is supposed to pronounce uh, like, and I'm butchering it. But anyways, um, Pelopides, um, when he was chilling in Athens for a while, he was like rousing a lot of like support for his side. And on one night, I think, if I remember right, it was on the winter solstice, he went back into the city of Thebes disguised um, as hunters or like... Um, dancers i can't remember which but they basically went to the largest like the party of one of the the leaders of um cadmia and they were disguised as women like for as the dancers meant to entertain them and then they just killed everyone so in doing so then he went to the city and was like oh anyone that's you know loyal to thieves come out and fight and they gave them weapons and they kicked out sparta um Obviously, I'm, I'm sure you know Sparta was, like, a huge force to be reckoned yeah, with. Of so, um, when they, they, anticipating that the Spartans would want to get their revenge on them, um, Gorgidas was, uh, I, he was, like, I think a general, if I'm not wrong. Um, he formed the Sacred Band of Thebes. He forms the elite gay troops to, as a solution to, like, ensure the Spartans wouldn't be able to get their way. So this was in Thebes? This was in Thebes. Um, at this point in time, Gogidas kind of dropped from history, so we will not talk about him anymore. <laughs> um, shortly after it's formed, like um, the Sacred Band of Thebes, where they're like interesting for a few reasons. Um, first of which, they're composed of um, many, you know, gay soldiers. Gays. But also, um, they're one of the few standing armies back in those days. So. Most of the armies um, they had in Greece were actually um, con- made of conscripts, but this army was fully funded by the by the city itself. So they were also called the city band, I think, because they funded them and all they did. I mean, not all they did, but like aside from their like duties, they also trained a lot. And I think their training in tr- included like a lot of like physical um, activities as well as dancing. Uh, in that time period, Plato was alive, um, right? And he actually wrote, like, one of his works, The Symposium. Um, he does discuss this idea of having an army just led by lovers. Because his idea for that would be that they would love each other so much and they would be so afraid to be, like, cowards in front of their lovers that they would, like, go all out to defend them and they would look also protect their lovers to the death. And that would be like the most efficient and the best army that you could find. He doesn't refer to them by name, but um, in his extract, talking about like the lovers army, but most people do think that he's referring to them. That was the formation, like that's the composition of the sacred band. Um, there are actually like three battles in which they were um, very fam- famously participated in. Um, the first one was, I cannot find a pronunciation for the city, but I think it's Tagira. Wait, I'm going to look at... Like this one. Tagira, I'd Tegira. say. I, I would think so. Um, <clears throat> well, it's an in- interesting so- story. So by this time, Pelopidas had taken charge of the sacred band, and they were in Thebes, right? And they heard that there was this Spartan outpost that needed reinforcements, and they were like, oh, why not? 
take over that little Spartan outpost. Except when they got there, they realized the information was kind of wrong or like it was too late because the outpost had already been reinforced. So they were on the march back, like they were going to retreat back into Thebes and then they encountered the original like Spartans that had left there or like they found another Spartan troop and they were kind of outnumbered two to one or three to one, like accounts differ. And then one of the Thebans kind of went like, oh shit, we are fallen to the enemy's hands. To which Philippides replied, why not them into ours? Like, whew. That is a good line. <laughs> Such that a dramatic is, moment. That is motivational. So instead of like fleeing from the battle, um, Pelopidas led them to, and then they smashed through the Spartan lines. Um, and then they, within the first few like moments, they killed the leaders. And then the Spartan like army, like that, that unit kind of, was um just into disarray without the loss with the loss of their leaders and um that was actually one of the f if i'm not wrong it's the first time which the spartans had been beaten when they had numer numerical superiority over the other party and um before that like this was really the time where people of sparta were known for being invincible yeah but this group of gay men smash them i and was gonna say like sparta they're that's the thing they're known for like that's their thing right? yeah exactly and these people like kind of smash the illusion but this is not the only time they did that there was a second time a battle of lectra i think it was quite an interesting battle like military wise because in um like traditional greek fights what you would do is you would place the strongest fighters on the right so when the two units would clash into each other, the weakest units will be facing the strongest units. And then the, the it was usually a position of honor as well. Like, so your best fighters would be on the right. But then Pelopides, um or his other generals decided that um, for this battle, we should put the, the uh, sacred band of Thebes on the left instead. So the most elite force was facing their most elite force. And at first they kind of like started with a cavalry skirmish. But <clears throat> the Thebans are the ones known for the cavalry, not the Spartans. The Spartans have like the foot soldiers that are strong, the hoplites. Yeah. And then so the cavalry was kind of smashed by the Theban um, cavalry. And then their really strong band of Thebes also smashed through the um, Spartan lines and they managed to kill one of the kings. Um, Sparta, I just learned this, but Sparta actually has two, usually has two kings. Oh, really? Yeah, they killed one of them. Okay. But um, it was such a, like it was such a decisive battle that um, like it's been held by historians as like the most decisive battle ever fought by Greek on Greek lines. Oh, okay. But it also sent a really clear signal that like the Spartans could be beaten; they were not invincible. I feel like I I mean I'm I'm not a, a military tactician, but I feel like <laughs> once you've got past that like strong front line and you're like you're starting to kind of put pressure on like, more than just the front side. I feel yeah. like that's that's kind of where you're dangerous, right? I, too, am no military strategian. <laughs> uh, strategician? Strat uh, what did I say? Military Tactician. Tactician. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, those were the two battles where they won, and they were, like, really big victories as well. Um, so, like, in between those years, like, um, they kind of chilled a bit doing their own thing the battles are not really that well documented as i mentioned earlier but then comes like you know the end as all good things must um the battle of Caronia in 338 bc um 
so I'm not sure if you know who I'm going to talk about, but um, this battle involved the Macedonians. Yes, I do know the mm. Macedonians. Um, so the Macedonians kind of attacked the... They were attacking from the north, I think. And then um, King Philip II... Is it the second? Not sure. Um, his son, his very famous son, with the name of Alexander. Alexander... The Great. Exactly. Oh my goodness. He was 18, I think, in this battle. But it was, I think, his first battle. I'm not sure. It might be, it might not be. But um, the basically, the Macedonians, um, they like kind of innovate, um, they kind of introduce innovations with the phalanx. So for like years and years, the phalanx had kind of stayed the same. You know, like the little, with yeah. the shoes and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what they what the Macedonians did were to make the spears longer, <laughs> so they could um, poke the other enemy first, <laughs> and it was actually really really successful. Um, the, when the at the battle, um, the Macedonians absolutely trashed the Greeks um, in this in this one battle, and um, the Greek forces started fleeing, but the band of Thebes stayed on and fought to the last man, and every single one of them was wiped out. So that brings the end to the army. Um, when King Philip looked at the bodies, like after the entire battle, uh, it was said that he wept because he was just so moved by them. And he said, um, this is a quote from Plutarch, which, as I've said, might be unreliable. <laughs> um, Perish any man who suspects that these men either did or suffered anything unseemly. So, I mean, even in... Um, ancient Greek times, like uh, homosexual relationships, it was never really clear cut. Like, um, did they approve of them? Did they not approve of them? The question is kind of like we don't really know. But like as I mentioned, Paradise to you is kind of the thing that was happening. But um, definitely, like this king, um, father of Alexander the Great, just saw that it was just such a grand moment. Um, yeah, so. That is the Sacred Band of Thieves, as much as I could cut it down into a short little bit of information. Yeah. I thought it was quite apt for the first episode, because um, I was talking about this with my friend, and he said, like, um, being gay usually is seen as, like, you're weak, or you're, like, not masculine, but it is the very fact that their love, their love for, their, for their partners is what fuels their masculinity. And I just thought that was, like, just such an amazing thought. Yeah, that's really cool. Thank you for teaching me all about this, this kind of army of gays. Well, also as just a little side note, um, they've actually discovered like what they think is the final resting place for the this army, and they built like this giant um stone lion, um, over the tomb, like the mass tomb. Yeah. Um, they found the stone lion um a few centuries ago, and they've reconstructed it today. So if you go to the site of the battle, you can actually see the statue that is half made of um, the original statue and half like modern like um, touch-ups and whatnot. Yeah. But you can still see the final resting place. And I thought that was so cool. Wow. Can we take a trip there? We, we could. We, we absolutely could. We'll do it for the podcast. It's, it's for work purposes. Right? I'm sure. And I'm sure we could get funding from uh, Domino's, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, enough pizza as fuel and we could probably run there I'm, the, I'm 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 looking up where this is how do you spell it um look at my laptop oh um, god yeah there basically was like this 
dude in back in Greece that wrote like this guidebook of things that you could see and a couple of like I think it was British explorers they were on horseback and they were kind of like running around the area it's either they were trying to look for the statue or they kind of were trying to follow the guidebook but they actually managed to find the statue where the guidebook said it would be and this guidebook was written like centuries ago I feel that that was mad like could we write books today? I mean, I'm sure with the internet and stuff, it's not that amazing. But, like, um, still, for, like, ancient Greek times till now, the statue has remained there. It was buried when they found it, obviously. Wow. But, um... That's so cool. Yeah. I, I've looked it up. It, I think it's Karenia. Um, I've seen a picture of the lion of Karenia, and that's that's quite nice. It's on the the Greek kind of mainland. Oh, okay. So we we could we could take a trip. There. We could. We could. We absolutely could. We absolutely we should. should. Morally, I think mm-hmm. we have to. We've talked about it, you know. If if this podcast is ever in like video format, I'm gonna just include a selfie of us in front of this lion. That would be a great idea. I feel also because I've wanted to go to Greece since I was like. A little, little kid. <laughs> yeah. If we don't have the budget for it, we can just find a lion statue somewhere and be like, whoa, this is the Lion of Karenia. Singapore has loads of lion statues everywhere. I guess. I feel like Singapore is more costly to get to than Greece. Oh, right, right. At this point in time, <laughs> I'm sure you're right. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that the end of yeah. Strength Teachers Gay History? Thank you very much. I hope you have had fun. I, I have had... Mountains of fun. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast. Uh, I've had a great time. Have you had a great time? Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that that pause makes me feel really good about our experience today. Follow us on Spotify. Follow the Instagram. LGBTQ plus sock on Instagram. We have a Discord. Yeah, we have a Discord as well. We do have a Discord, which is a very good way of finding out information. Especially for the LGBTQ plus society. Mm. Um, we've got, yeah. like, really active channels. As, as, I yes. think it's called channels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got I'm really active great. mods. Sorry, I'm a, like, a boomer. I don't understand <laughs> technology. Yeah. Discord, if you don't have it, don't be intimidated by it. It can feel a little intimidating at first, but... It is quite an intuitive design, and you'll find a lot of very understanding and fun people on there. Um, follow, follow us, follow our events, go to our events, enjoy our events. We would appreciate any feedback you have, since we're quite new to this. Um, we, we would appreciate positive feedback. All feedbacks, welcome. I don't send me crying to sleep with your feedback, is my only request. We you love know, you all. I don't think anyone intends to make you cry to sleep. It happens anyway. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, follow everything, go to our events, um, and we'll see you in two weeks. I think you said follow our events like three times. Okay. Bye. So, our next segment is... Oh, you fucker. (laughs)